So last week, we started a brand new series on the Spirit I Never Knew. We talked about how many of us can be raised in communities of faith. Even if we grew up in church, or maybe we were in a youth ministry or a college ministry, we can be raised in spiritual environments in which we gain a lot of understanding and knowledge about God the Father, right? And it's not uncommon to be given a lot of discipleship and understanding and knowledge of God the Son. But what I have found, I know in my own personal experience growing up in the Baptist church, we didn't talk a lot about God the Holy Spirit. And I thought that was just a Baptist thing, but I was talking to someone that was raised in a Pentecostal holiness church this morning, and she said, no one taught us about the Holy Spirit either. So uh, I feel like this is a great opportunity for us to grow in our understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit. And last week, that was the foundation that we laid, that the first thing we have to understand is that the Holy Spirit himself is a person. And that it can be difficult as we read Scripture and as we see some of the symbolism that's used to describe the Holy Spirit like a dove or water or wind. It can be very difficult for us to not mistake the Holy Spirit not as a person but as a force. But it is critical for us to get this down in our discipleship, and here's why. Because if we don't understand the Holy Spirit as a person, then we will relate to him as a force. And here's the difference. I don't relate to forces in my life the way that I relate to people. For instance, I, I interact with electricity day in and day out as a force in my life. There's fire in my life. There's, there's rushing water in my life. There's wind. I interact with those forces all the time. But my response is in one of three ways when I encounter one of those forces. I either want to remain safe from that force, or I want to keep that force in its proper uh, parameters or containers, or I want to distance myself, or maybe I want to harness that and utilize that force for my own purposes. None of those responses are appropriate when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Instead, with the Holy Spirit, we relate to Him as a person, and we yield to Him as a person. We give Him the control of our life, we give Him all that we have to offer, and He takes that and he transforms it for his kingdom, which is amazing today. You know, Heather and I were talking about uh, the sermon a little bit last week, and this is one of the things she said to me I thought was really insightful. She said one of the things that makes it difficult to relate to the Holy Spirit as a person is we have all these amazing ways in which we talk about God the Father, right? I mean, we have these names throughout Scripture that we associate with God the Father, like Yahweh. Or like the Almighty God or El Shaddai. We have all of these, these names that we learn in the Old Testament where God reveals himself to people in different ways. And the same is true with Jesus, right? I mean, we have all these names in which we refer to Jesus. It's not just Jesus, but we call him the Christ or we call him the Lord. We call him the Messiah. We call him the Son of God or the Son of David. We have all of these names by which we refer to Jesus. But when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, we seem to be limited to just a couple. Like we talk about the Holy Spirit, we, we talk about the Spirit of God, or maybe just the Spirit, but we don't seem to have that same language that allows us to be able to go to a deeper place in relationship with Him. Now I'm hoping that this morning helps us expand our language when it comes to the Holy Spirit for the purpose of deepening our relationship with Him. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 
John chapter 14. That's where we're going to camp out today. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can turn to page 1675 in the Blue Bible in your pew, and you can follow along with me. John chapter 14 takes place in the night before Jesus' crucifixion. So just keep in mind that everything we're about to read, Jesus is communicating with a sense of urgency and importance. Just like you, if you knew tomorrow was going to be the last day you would have on earth and you spent time with those you cared about, you would be communicating to them the things that you would think are most important to you, the things that they most needed to navigate life without you. Jesus is no different. And everything that he's about to say is wrapping up three and a half years of walking with these men and helping them understand the culmination of what happened over that time and now what's about to happen. So John chapter 14, listen to Jesus' interaction. Can we just skip down to verse 8? I want you to see what this interaction with Jesus and his disciples is like. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who does his work. And believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Take note of that. So now he is explaining to them that his interaction with them is going to be different. They've walked with him for three and a half years, and now it's about to shift. He says, I'm going to the Father, and those who believe in me will do the works I have been doing. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. So here's what Jesus is saying up to this point he is setting this model for his believers into how life and ministry is going to continue from this point jesus is saying listen while i was here with you these three and a half years what you witnessed is this i spent time every day all the time staying connected with god the father he revealed to me what his will was and his plan and then i obeyed and i carried it out with the resources that the father gave me that's what you witnessed this last three and a half years. But now I'm going to the Father, and you're going to follow that example. You're going to stay connected with me. I'm going to reveal to you my will and my plan. And then using my resources, you're going to carry out what I desire, expanding the kingdom of God. But just one problem. They saw how Jesus did that with the Father, but now Jesus is going away. And he understands what's about to come. He understands he's going to be crucified in about 12 hours. He understands there's three days in the grave where he'll be separated from them. He understands that the resurrection is coming, but he knows that that's going to be a time of confusion. It's going to be a time of separation, a time in which they're going to question everything they've experienced with him to that point. And so he wants to prepare them for that with this idea. Verse 16. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Would you take your pen, and would you underline advocate in your Scripture? Now, you may have something that's slightly different, and we'll talk about the differences there as you have a different translation. But if you're following along in the NIV, then what you see is advocate. And what I want you to see is Jesus is equating the advocate with the Spirit of truth, Jesus' use of the Holy Spirit there. So the advocate is the Spirit of truth. So if you need to take your little arrows or hearts or unicorn horns or whatever you do to tie your Scripture together, make sure you're tying those two verses together, those two words together, because it's going to come into play just a little bit later. Now listen to what he says about the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Did you notice how Jesus communicates about the Holy Spirit? He refers to him as a person. Did you catch that? Jesus, in making sure his disciples understood in his last hours with them, he starts by making sure they understand the Holy Spirit is a person. He says he will come to be with you, right? He will be with you. He will live in you. As I go away, he will come with you. This is not a force we're talking about. This is a person, and it's the person of God through the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, I will not leave you alone as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you'll realize that I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So now he circles back to the advocate again. And this time, the equating of advocate is with directly the Holy Spirit. So we understand that the Spirit of the truth, the Holy Spirit, and advocate are three different ways that Jesus is referring to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Now, what I want you to see is what's happening in the original languages here, okay? The New Testament was not written in English. It was written long ago, a couple thousand years ago, and it was written originally in the language of Greek. Now, it's not modern Greek uh, like we still have today. It's more of an ancient Greek, and the only way I can really explain that is if um, someone came up to you today and they started speaking to you in Shakespearean English, like you would understand the these and thous and thus and thus saith, you would understand that, but you would think that they were weird, right? 
If someone came to you and they spoke New Testament Greek to you today and you were a Greek speaker in a modern sense, you could understand them, but it would sound ancient like Elizabethan English. You get me? So it's written in this, in this ancient Greek. And what I want you to understand is this beautiful, picturesque language that really helps us to understand the meaning of Scripture. And what I want us to see behind this English word advocate is a Greek word that I want you to get this morning. It's paraclete. It's paraclete. P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E. Paraclete. And this is what Jesus says the Holy Spirit is. He is the paraclete. Now, it comes from two Greek words. This is in your notes. You can write these down. It comes from two Greek words that are put together. Para means beside, alongside something. And then kalin is the infinitive for to call. So if you put these together and you declean the verb a little bit, paraclete is one who you call beside you or someone who is called beside. Does that make sense? So I want to give you a little bit of a visual just to kind of help you out here. I've been carrying three backpacks. If you didn't catch this, I've been carrying three backpacks this entire service. And uh, they're getting a little heavy at this point. And I don't, I don't plan on preaching the rest of the service with these three backpacks. So I'm going to, I'm going to call some paracletes up to the sage here to help uh, carry my burdens this morning. Okay, so uh, Jake Gardner is going to help me out. Uh, Jake, if you haven't met Jake, Jake's the son of Mike and Leanne Gardner. And he's part of the whole three rows right here at Gardner's clan, if you haven't met them. Uh, Jake, come on up. Jake is, uh, I love Jake's heart, his really tender heart for people and for the Lord. It's always really impressed me. He's also pretty good at video games, I hear. So, Jake, uh, would you mind just taking one of these for me? Do you mind? Let's see which one comes off. There you go. All right, Jake, I'm going to let you hang on to that for me. Just hang right here, okay? That's good. All right, so my first paraclete this morning who's come alongside me, okay, is Jake Gardner, all right? Now, uh, Parker Terrio is also, he's going to help me out this morning. He's my second paraclete. Parker is the son of Matt and Brittany Terrio. Uh, Brittany teaches at TKA. Parker's at TKA. Uh, Sharp-dressed little man. There you go. And good soccer player. He plays on my son's soccer team. Does a good job. You mind, you mind taking this for me? This is actually Knox's backpack, so you can relate to that, okay? So now I've caught a second paraclete. And uh, this one is a little bit heavier, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call two paracletes up on this one, okay? So Isaac and Dylan Bryant are going to help me out with them. Uh, if you don't recognize Isaac and Dylan, uh, these are the grandsons of the legendary Meadley clan here at, Flor in, here at uh, Trinity. Uh, they've grown up a little bit, uh, but I'm glad. I'm going to let you share this load, okay? I'm going to let you guys hang out and do that. Knox's is, is not heavier because I stuffed that one with a lot of cool stuff. Okay. So I have three paracletes up here, and I want you to catch what they've done. The Greek picture of a paraclete is you don't just call someone alongside you. They're called alongside for a purpose. And the implication of that purpose is that they are going to carry a load for you. Does that make sense? Now, when people in Greek heard this, when the original people heard this, this is the context that they thought about. They mainly thought about the courtroom. They mainly thought about you being in trouble with the law and needing help to stand in front of a judge. And so when you were in trouble, they would assign a paraclete to you to come alongside you and help you legally in any situation you were in. That's how they would have been the most familiar when they heard that, okay? 
But I want us to see this idea of coming alongside and carrying our burdens for us. So our paracletes have done very good this morning. All you need to do is take them down and put them on the front row for me. That'd be good. So I give it up for our paracletes this morning. Good job. But even as we gain some understanding of a name for the Holy Spirit, a paraclete, knowing someone's name does not always communicate an ability to relate to them. Sometimes we can misunderstand people's names because of a lack of maturity or lack of experience with them. And so we have to go deeper than just a name. I'll give you a perfect example of this. Uh, My daughter is at TKA, and she got to take a field trip a couple weeks ago uh, to Columbia. And she talked about it for days leading up to this wonderful trip to the Children's Museum. She talked about it left and right, up and down. And what she wanted me to know is that one of our elders, Dave Wolf. I was going to be driving the TKA bus for them, and she was very excited about that. Dave, uh, in his semi-retirement, went and got his bus license, and he's decided to use his semi-retirement hauling kids around in a school bus. I love that, and uh, he's been doing a great job with that. I love that ministry to folks, and we pull into church that Tuesday morning, and we're waiting in the car line right over there, and I got there a little bit early, and they weren't quite ready to let us out of the car yet. And we're talking back and forth, Karis and Knox and I. And this is what Karis said. She said, Dad, Mr. Wolf is going to drive the bus today. He's not a real wolf. That's just his name. (laughs) Now, she was as serious as it gets. And for a four- to five-year-old, that was really critical information for me to know. And I promise you the reason she communicated that to me was because her 4K teacher had probably understood that as black and white as children are and as concrete as they are in language, to say to them, Mr. Wolf is going to drive the the bus tomorrow, for them it conjured up all kinds of things, right? So she needed to help unpack that name a little bit because in their immaturity and their lack of understanding... They would not have the ability to relate to Mr. Wolf, potentially out of fear or misunderstanding. And Karis passed on that information right to me, and I'll be honest with you, it's very hard to me now when I introduce Dave in various circumstances not to say, this is Dave Wolf. He's not a real wolf. That's just his name. The paraclete is the exact same thing, just because we understand what Jesus would call the Holy Spirit and say that he is our paraclete doesn't mean that we can go in depth and relate to him properly. So I want us to understand what's going on there because our English writers have tried to do a really good thing, which is to help us understand this idea, but I just wish they'd have left it alone. I wish they would have left it in the original Greek language, they left that word, and then we could have some understanding about that. So you're going to see a range depending on what your scripture is. You'll see things like this. This translation says advocate, okay? which you can understand, someone who comes along and advocates for you, especially in a courtroom setting. You'll see intercessor. You can understand how someone would intercede on someone's behalf, how that communicates the picture. You'll see helper. I I pulled some helpers up this morning to kind of demonstrate that. You'll see comforter. 
You can see how that nuance comes in there. Someone who is carrying a heavy burden and the paraclete comes along to comfort them in that burden. Someone even I've seen kind of a, a one-to-one translation of standby or sidekick, which is one of my favorite, right? So just someone who comes literally beside to help out. Or any, any other combination you may see there. But, but look at what that does for us. In understanding what a paraclete was back then, it can blossom our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is now. And now we've got more language with which we can engage with the Holy Spirit. We can engage with Him in worship. We can engage with Him in prayer. We can engage with Him in the study of the Word. Now we have some more names on our lips to do that well. So what I want to do as we wrap up this morning, I just want to go to the things that Jesus said in this passage about the paraclete, about the Holy Spirit. And I want to just take four blessings that the Holy Spirit brings to us as the paraclete that I think absolutely transforms our life if we will commit to developing relationship with Him. So the first is this. These are in your bulletins. I encourage you to write these down. The first blessing of having the paraclete in our life is that God's presence with us is guaranteed. God's presence with us is guaranteed. As amazing as it was for those disciples to have had Jesus physically present with them for three and a half years of his earthly ministry, there were still times in which they could not engage with Jesus. Jesus had to sleep. There were times that Jesus went up on the mountainside and took three and left nine behind. There were times that he went to places he didn't take everybody. They didn't have this ability to engage with Jesus constantly. In fact, you come to this place in salvation history where Jesus has to go off of the scene because of the crucifixion. And they didn't understand. He couldn't be there to explain what that three-day gap was between the cross and the resurrection. They were not able to be physically present with him. But Jesus says, uh, good news. As soon as I step off the stage, the paraclete is going to come to you. And he's going to be with you forever. In other words, in the absence of Jesus is the presence of the paraclete. Are you with me? As soon as Jesus leaves the scene, the paraclete comes and is that standby, not just for the first disciples, but for us as followers now. Listen, we got to get this. The paraclete is the guarantee of God's presence in your life. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know if you feel alone. I don't know if you feel like your friends have abandoned you. I don't know if this is the hardest time of your life relationally and you feel like your family doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. Maybe you feel like you're in your workplace and you're the only one that's standing up for integrity and not choosing the easier road of greed and theft. Maybe in your seventh grade class, you want to live for Jesus as best as you can understand as a young woman of God, but you feel like all of your peers around you are making it so much more difficult for you to walk out what's easier to do here when you're surrounded with other believers. I want you to know something. In each and every one of those circumstances, for followers of Jesus Christ, listen, the paraclete is with you. The paraclete has been called along beside you by God the Father, and he is walking with you. He is the guarantee of God's presence. Don't you listen to the enemy who would tell you you're alone. Don't you listen to the enemy that would tell you you don't have what it takes to walk through this. You have all you need in the paraclete. 
do you understand why I would challenge you? We have to develop relationship with the Holy Spirit because if we don't know him in that way, we will never take advantage of the blessing he offers us in relationship. Are you following me? Are you with me? Second thing is this. The blessing of having the paraclete is this. We can know the mind and will of the Lord. You can. You can know the mind and will of the Lord. God himself, in the person of the Holy Spirit, has been called along beside you. The Holy Spirit has all the knowledge of God, all the experience of God, all the resources of God. All of that is available to you. And because that's true, there is no circumstance in your life in which you cannot know the mind and will of God. You have the paraclete at your disposal to reveal that to you. Now, Pastor Matt, I have been asking the Lord to reveal his plan and his mind to me on whatever issue it is, you fill in the X, whatever it is, for days. I've been asking for weeks. I've been asking for months. Some of you would say, I've been asking God's will and his mind on this issue for years. Why is it not coming? If you're telling me that the paraclete gives me access to all the mind and will of God the Father, why have I not received that yet? You know, there's a number of reasons why God withholds his mind and the understanding of his will from us. There's a number of reasons. The first is uh, he wants to know whether or not we love him or if we love his plan. And I'll tell you as a pastor who for 12 years has seen the Lord move here, there are times I have fallen more in love with what he's doing than with him. I fall more in love with his plan than with the person of God. And you know what he does to keep that from happening, to insulate me from that? The next time I go and I say, hey, what would you like to do? He'll say, oh, let's talk tomorrow about that. But let's just talk today about who I am and who you are. And you're like, okay, I mean, that's, that's good, Jesus. How you doing? And then the next day you're like, okay, so can we, um, can we get to the will now? Like, what's your plan? What do you want to do? And he says, hmm, not today. Let's, uh, let's just talk about who you are and who I am today. Because he wants us to grow in our love relationship with him and to love him more than anything he has called us to or wants to accomplish through us. Not just that, what it does for us is it develops trust between him and us. When all the pieces do not fall into place, it makes me lean into him in trust. It makes me have to step out in faith and walk with him. And I don't know if you figured this out or not, but the Christian walk is faith from start to finish. There's no time out. There's no time out. Every day, every moment is a walk of faith. And God himself will keep you in that exact place where all that you can experience is faith until you learn to walk in faith. Not just that, it presses us in to seeking him in an intimate, connected relationship. Because we don't want to miss his mind. And we don't want to miss his will. Well, Pastor Matt, I'm worried that if I don't know his will and I don't know his mind, I'm going to miss it or I'm going to screw it up. Listen, here is the promise of the paraclete. If God is with you and God is connected to you in relationship, it is impossible for you not to walk out his will even if you don't know his will. Are you with me on that? 
It's impossible for you to take a wrong turn if he's walking beside you. When you get to the fork in the road and you have to make the decision, he will be the voice to say left, not right, because he's with you. But you can miss his will. You can miss his mind if you don't stay connected with him. Are you following me? So what we do is, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you have planned, but I'm fine with it. I'm not fine, but I'm fine with it. As long as you'll be with me and you'll stay connected with me and I can know you. Because if you're with me, I can face anything. I can face uncertainty. Uncertainty is not the end of the world. It's not. Isolation from God is the end of the world. Uncertainty is not the end of the world. So, the third blessing that the paraclete brings to us. You will never have to rely on your own resources to do the work of the Lord. You will never have to rely on your resources to do the work of the Lord. I have uh, really encouraging news for you. Jesus is calling you to accomplish some things for the kingdom, and they are impossible for you. For every single one of you in here, it's impossible for you. Jesus has amazing things to accomplish through you. But you are not smart enough, strong enough, or experienced enough to get them done. Fortunately, fortunately, you don't have to be. Because God the Father has called alongside a paraclete for you who has all the knowledge of God, all the experience of God, and all the resources of God. And he will leverage those into your life to accomplish all the will of God in his timing and in his plan. You don't have to worry about where the power, the strength, the resources are coming from. You don't have to worry about that. But you have to worry about stay in a place, keeping your heart and your hands open before the paraclete every single day. And when you need it, it will be in your hand. If you look at your hand and you say, I don't have in my possession what I need to accomplish this, I want to tell you, you don't need it right now. You think you need it, But the moment you need it, you'll look down in your hand and it will be there. He will give you the wisdom to talk to that friend when they're contemplating suicide. He will make space in your calendar to be able to minister to that person. I promise you, he's got the basis covered for you. He's got the basis covered for you. I promise he does. You don't have what it takes. But boy, the Holy Spirit does. He does. And he does his best work by proving that you're not adequate. Because that way he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. And number four, the last blessing of having the paraclete available to us is whatever we may face, we have someone who will intervene on our behalf. We have someone who will intervene on our behalf. Uh, I got to see this in, in work, at work this morning. Um, Ellen got here, and uh, Ellen started feeling pretty sick and dizzy and uh, came and got me this morning during Sunday school. And uh, we sat her down, started talking to her. And uh, right, right when that happened, uh, Kim Harris, who is a registered nurse, was walking in the door, and I said, hey, come here. 
And um, Kim sat and talked and asked Ellen a few questions. And uh, her left arm started to tingle a little bit, so we kind of took that seriously. And so uh, Kim took Ellen uh, to the hospital just to get checked. And um, all the EKG and all of that came back fine. Uh, so it wasn't anything as dangerous as we were worried about. could have happened. Uh, they're going to run just a few more tests because she's still, as uh, her hands are still pretty cold and she's a little shaky. But um, it's, it's looking really good. Um, but believe me, as a pastor, uh, the paraclete is the one who intervened in that. Because here's what happened in about the span of 15 minutes. I have no idea what to do. I just sit Ellen down. A registered nurse walks in the door who does know what she's doing. Corey Fowler, who is in our Sunday school class, was right there with us. Corey has been filling in for Children's Church for the last couple weeks, was not scheduled to do that today, and said, I can do that. And then on top of that, we had, I was able to get a hold of Ellen's daughter, Jennifer. Jennifer was able to pick up Alan. We went right to the hospital. All that came together. And then I went right over to the Sunday school class. I got Joan Brown. Hey, will you cover the nursery for Ellen? And then right when I figured out that I had covered that base with Joan, um, uh, Patsy Allen came and her granddaughter was here. And Patsy's like, I'm in the nursery. My granddaughter's going to help me today. Which means we had all the help we need in the area that Ellen was covering. Now, I couldn't orchestrate any of that. And believe me, I was a little rattled this morning. Ellen's one of my best friends. This has been a hard year. We've lost Joyce. This has just been a hard year. I was a little rattled this morning. But the Holy Spirit dropped every single one of those pieces in place because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And our job is not to freak out. It's not to panic. It's to say, listen, I'm over my skis now. I'm so glad you're right here. He is that good. So I want to say something to you. I want to say this to you. It's always been a blessing in your life when you've had someone intercede for you. You know what it was like when you were three, when you were in third grade and you were on the playground and someone came to pick on you and your best friend came over and intervened, right? And had your back and was like, no, 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 no. You're not going to mess with my boy. Wasn't it great? when your older sister who's always scrapped with you like cats and dogs until that neighborhood kid came along and then your sister was like, you mess with my little brother, I'll scratch your eyes out. Wasn't that great? You're like, who are you? I thought you hate me. No, not right now. I, I love you right now. Usually I hate you though. Wasn't it good to have someone intervene on your behalf? We need people to intervene. That's what the paraclete does for you. And he does it a thousand times over and you'll never understand how he protects you. You'll never understand. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit that intervenes with you and God the Father every single day because here's what happens. Even as a follower of Christ, you blow it every day. You sin, you dishonor Him, you willfully choose to dishonor the Lord virtually every day. That's true of all of us. And here's what happens. When that happens, the Holy Spirit of God, the paraclete, stands between you and the Father, and this is what He says. I know what Matt did today. I know it dishonored you. But you and I know what Jesus did for Matt. Jesus shed his blood, and the blood of Jesus was sufficient for what Matt did today. And I'm standing in his defense. Forgive his sin. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes and tries to throw that kind of accusation in my face, the whole, I mean, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. When Satan comes and he tries to throw that accusation in my face, it is the Holy Spirit that says, no, 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 no. You shut your mouth. This is one of ours. This is one of ours. And he's been paid for with Jesus' blood. On top of that, I want to say something to you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus at all, and the Lord's begun to convict you of sin this morning, and you're beginning to understand there's more to this than how I'm living, that I've tried to fix my life and it's not working out, the fact that you're feeling that right now is the paraclete moving in your life to awaken you to all that God has for you in Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can help you understand that God himself took on human flesh, died on a cross, and shed his blood because he loves you. And when we trust all that to be true and act on it, respond to it, the blood of Jesus will cover everything you've ever done. And it may not take away the consequences, but as you face the consequences moving forward, it is the paraclete that will be right there with you to walk through it. That's our God. That's our God. So whatever you need the paraclete to be for you today, he wants to offer that. So our praise team is going to come, and they're going to lead us in a final song, and this is a chance for us to respond to what we've heard today. Maybe response means that you need to stay right where you are and cultivate that deeper relationship with the paraclete, understanding more about him than you ever have. Maybe it means coming to an altar and praying. Maybe it means stopping the person right beside you and say, will you just pray with me? Maybe it means going to an elder or their wife and having them pray with you or coming here and praying with me. Maybe it means responding to that invitation of salvation that you've heard. Whatever it is, this is a chance to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing among us. So let's stand and let's respond today.